Happy Father's Day to you. We want to celebrate you today. It's, it's so good to celebrate good, godly men. Amen? And uh, we're thankful for the men here at this church. And uh, we hope that you do feel celebrated today and that you get to have a good day after church is over as well. And um, it's a busy weekend. It's a, it's a cram-packed weekend, really, because there's, there's a lot going on this weekend because we have Father's Day, but then we also celebrate Juneteenth tomorrow, which is it's a federal holiday weekend, which was just instituted in the last year or two, which is a wonderful thing where we commemorate the, the abolition of slavery in the United States. That's something worth celebrating, amen? And so we're thankful for that. Yeah, that's right. Thank the Lord. So I want all of you to take the day off tomorrow in celebration, okay? Uh, it's a good thing. And so, uh, and because it's Father's Day weekend as well, we're, we're doing things a little different this weekend. In fact, you can see I brought a few of my friends up here on the stage with me this, this morning, and uh, we're all going to preach 45-minute sermons. So settle in. It's going to be a good day. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Actually, we're gonna, uh, we've been in a series called Law and Order, if you've been here. We're going through the judges of ancient Israel, and uh, we're going to take a little break from that today because it is Father's Day. I asked a few of these dads to come up. We're going to do a little panel today. It's not a, a fatherhood type of panel necessarily. It's just a kind of a happy coincidence that they're all fathers. Uh, we're going to talk about the faithfulness of God today. Uh, I just really wanted to encourage you today. I know that in a room this size and watching online, there's people that are going through things that some of you may feel like you're struggling to have hope. Uh, and you just need to be encouraged. Um, I know I, on a typical Sunday, I, I, I bring the word and I, I hit you pretty hard some Sundays because I feel like that's what the Lord's called me to do. But there's also a time for us to just be encouraged uh, in God's faithfulness and what he's done. And you know, the, one of the ways we are encouraged in our faith is to hear how the Lord has blessed and showed his faithfulness to other people. And so these four guys have experienced God's faithfulness. And so we're gonna be uh, talking about that here in just a second. And uh, just to start off of our time together this morning, I want to read a verse, and it happens to be out of Judges as well, and it talks about, this kind of gives the reason why we're doing this today. It's out of Judges 2, uh, verses 8 to 11. It says, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. He, they buried him in the land he had been allocated at Timnath-Serah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. Now, as you can see here, the generation that did not understand or acknowledge or remember what the Lord did, it didn't change the fact that he did it. It didn't change the fact that the Lord was faithful. The fact that they didn't remember it, the fact that they didn't reflect on it and weren't reminded of it leads us to the very next verse in that chapter that says the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and serve Baal. So that tells us how important it is for us to remember what God has done in our life. He's done something in every one of our lives. If you're here today and you're saved, he's done a huge thing in your life. But we've all seen his faithfulness, but man, are we, are we quick to forget? I'm just as guilty as anyone. I, I know I've said this before, I've had times where the Lord has ministered to me in a way that I, in that moment I said, God, through tears, I'll never doubt you again. Only three days later to say, God, where are you? Are you real? You know, that's, that's just how we are. And so we need to be reminded. And so that's what we're gonna do today. And uh, for sake of time, I'm gonna introduce these guys to you real quick uh, rather than, than uh, have them introduce themselves because I can do it quicker because I'm a preacher. So, uh, so this is Andrew Harrison. He's been with us for just a short time. He just moved here from Colorado. He's on the worship team. You might recognize him. Uh, he looks like Josh with a shorter beard. And so uh, he's married to Rachel and they have four kids. Uh, Joe Hudgens, he's actually on our deacon board, and uh, he's married to Devin, and they have two children. 
And uh, here we have Jesus Madera, who has uh, a wonderful wife of Yomela and two daughters. And then Kel, of course, most of you know Kel. He's been on our staff for a while. He is uh, married to Cece, his better half, and they have three children as well. So uh, welcome these guys this morning. So what we're gonna do is we're just gonna take some time. I've got four uh, specific categories that we're gonna be sharing about God's faithfulness. And I've asked these guys to share these things. We're gonna talk about the purpose, the protection, the provision, and the answered prayers of God in our lives. And uh, I've asked each of them to share about a couple of these. They're not all gonna share all of them, but uh, man, we did this first service, it was really great. So I, you're, you're in for a treat to, to hear God's faithfulness in the lives of some of the people that are from our very own church. So that being said, we're gonna jump right in and we're gonna talk about the purpose that God has, God revealing his purpose to us, showing us in a place in our life where we see in hindsight his purpose was fulfilled in something that we went through in our life. And we're gonna start off with Kel. He's gonna share uh, a situation where God did that for him. Yeah, so um, it's, it's funny about purpose, right? Purpose is so closely linked to identity and to understand who you, understanding who you are um, to really kind of understand to, 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 to why you're here. And it's funny for me because my story as it starts, I was, I was lied to. I was lied to with my identity. Um, some of it intentionally, some of it unintentionally. Um, some of it is just the um, sin na nature of, of, of who I am, of flesh. And so intentionally, like culture, it, just, it does it to you, right? Especially being a, a man or even a person, like through music, media, pride, power, lust, all of those things. Um, unintentionally, my family, they, they would always encourage me, like, you're going to be the first stove all of your name male to graduate college. So get a good education, get a good job, um, do all those things. Nothing bad about that, but you can find yourself just seeking those things. And purpose kind of lined up with that for me. So out of college, and I get my first real job, corporate America. It's with the Fortune 100 company, and I'm just moving up this corporate ladder I get an opportunity to move to Augusta, Georgia, from middle Georgia, where I would, run the, I would run their financial branch here in Augusta. So it was really, really cool. And I'm like, Augusta, Georgia, I'll be in this hamster cage about 18 to 24 months. <laughs> and then I'm moving to a bigger market, Atlanta, Charlotte. Um, spoiler alert, I'm still here. So <laughs> God has his plans of working things out. And so I remember before that move, um, I'm in a Kohl's retail. I think I'm shopping for a gift for my mother or sister for, the, the, for their birthday or something like that. And this voice hits me. It says, Kel, you will serve me and my kingdom. And I'm shook because I'm thinking like, this is a joke. Is somebody over the overhead playing? Because I hear this as real as you talking to me and it's not the audible voice of God, but it's so deep into my spirit that I'm shook. And I'm out in the parking lot and if God tells you something like that, you know, there's, there's one or two ways that you can respond. You can like, okay, this is God. I know what he's doing. I'm going to live for you. I'm, I wasn't like that. No, I was more like Moses where I was just fearful and doubtful. And it's like, how can you use me? Like, I'm this shy military brat. I've only spoken to about five people. There's no way I can preach because you, you think the only way you can do it is if you're being a preacher, right? That's the only thing I, I thought you can, you can, that's the only way you can serve God's kingdom. And so like, I'm, I'm shook. Fast forward, I'm in Augusta, and I'm looking for churches at the time. And I go around to different churches, and I don't know about you. Did anybody ever have an experience here at New Hope 
the people were friendly, the worship was great, the pastor had a great message, and you're like, I know this is the place for me. New Hope is the place for me. Anybody ever had that experience? Well, I didn't. <laughs> when I came here the first time. Must have been the preaching. <laughs> I was like, this is not the place for me. I'll probably never be back here. And that's a testimony all in itself. But when I did come back, they had a serve night. And this was back when they do the, the different serve ministries. And when I came in, I thought this was like a service, an evening service. And so I started to kind of creep out the door because I'm like, this is not it. Sunday night football's on. Let me hightail it out of here. But somebody pulled me in and I started to serve in the different ministries. They had the bridge ministry at the time, visitation ministry. And I started to serve and build community, kind of like Jessica was saying. And I noticed something different from my ambition and my purposes before. I noticed something different from even my church experiences, what I was going after. Like, you know, are the people friendly? How was the message? How was the worship? And it was the old JFK adage where, you know how he says, it's not what you're what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. And the spirit kind of spoke to me. He's like, it's not what my blessings and you climbing this corporate ladder and you finding your purpose is fulfilled, or even when you go to church, what the church can do for you, what are you going to do to serve my church, my kingdom? Kind of like how he told me, Kel, feed my sheep. And from there, my purpose just shifted. And it's just been a huge, huge blessing because it allowed us to, to do different things. I've been on mission trips with you. I've started ministries, just really invested into the lives of God's people when I stopped to make it about myself and make it about others that really just shifted my purpose. That's great. Praise God. Thank you, Kel. All right, Jesus, pick up where he left off. Sure. Uh, slightly different, but I, um, I guess I'll, I'll talk about my uh, story of salvation. Um, back in Puerto Rico, when I was early on my 20s, I was um, having um, a lot of fun. Um, I had everything. I had a job, finished my college. I was, had a lot of friends, party. I think I, have, I was having too much fun. <laughs> and, um, but at the end of every day, uh, um, I was still missing something. I, I still have that emptiness that I did not know what it was. Um, so on, um, on a Sunday morning, I, after uh, many on a, um, unaccepted invitation from my mom, I decided to go to church with her. And that day I sat and I uh, listened intent, uh, intently to the sermon and I felt like the pastor was speaking directly to me. And uh, even though he knew nothing about me, and that scared me and shook my core, but afterwards I started feeling a little bit less empty and I was hungry for more. And I knew the Lord touched my heart, and um, I, I knew I needed to come back to church. So I did. From that moment, um, my walk with the Lord began. Fast forward, a few months later, I met this beautiful woman, and I fell in love with her. And she said something to me very smart and very important. She said, if you want to be with me on Sundays, you will find me in church. <laughs> And um, given that I already, had, I already started going, um, that was an easy decision. And it made, made, it made church even more um, attractive, <laughs> of course. Fast forward, um, I have been married for uh, 27 years to this uh, smart, beautiful woman, my wife, Yomela. And I have two uh, of my biggest blessings, my two daughters, Christina and Nicole. That's 
great. And you know, it's funny because we were, we were laughing about this earlier that he said how he went to church. He didn't really want to go, but he just kind of went and uh, the preacher was talking right to him. And we were laughing because I can't tell you how many times I've heard that where people have said, oh, you know, uh, I felt like you were talking right to me. Or somebody says, oh, my, my, my brother was with me and he, said, he looked at me and said, what did you tell the preacher all my business? Because he was looking at me and talking to me the whole time, you know? That's just how good God is, you know, he'll meet you in that place. That's exactly how it happened to me because I felt like my mom was, had told the, the preacher everything about me. <laughs> and I was looking at my mom like, hmm, you did this. But then I realized that, wait a minute, she doesn't know anything about this. How come? So yeah. that's, that's when I felt like, yeah, the Lord touched me. God is good. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Joe's got a, a story about uh, finding purpose in his life too. So oh. share with us. Yeah, how are you doing, New Hope, today? Uh, anyway, uh, when I, I guess to the purpose that I want to get to, I got to sort of back up, you know, to the beginning, I guess. I'm going to try not take up too much time. But, um, you know, I grew up in a home that didn't have, uh, weren't Christian. Uh, by my middle school years, I really started to rebel against my parents. I dove hardcore into drugs, many drugs, many different types of drugs, alcohol, uh, dropped out of high school, I just went down that path uh, that most of my friends were going down at the time. And um, fast forward uh, to about 28, I uh, was pretty much in that lifestyle. Uh, sort of gave up the drugs, was still drinking heavy uh, in a failed marriage or a failing marriage. And, uh, and by the time I was 28, uh, we had divorced. I was living with a friend, had no real future uh, other than just, you know, a failed marriage and a a job, right? So, uh, but my friend, he was a Christian, he was going to church and I started to go to church with him. So, uh, we're going about three times a week. I was into the preaching, wasn't really into the music. Uh, I didn't have a preacher speaking to me, you know, I guess like, uh, Jesus over there. I, uh, it was actually the praise and worship. So, uh, it's going to sound a little odd, but it wasn't really an emotional thing as much as just a giving in. I was giving in to the Lord. I finally surrendered to him in worship. I liked to preach and I didn't like to praise and worship at all. I was into rock and roll and all that good stuff. And I would just sit there and, you know, I got to go through four more songs until we get to the preaching. And uh, one day the preacher sort of called us all out. You know, there's mostly men that was having that issue. You know, we all understand, right? And he sort of called us out. We were doing a praise and worship night and I was going to leave. I'm like, I'm not sitting here for the whole praise and worship night. And, uh, you know, pretty much just said, hey, you know, in, in the nutshell, give it a try. So... Okay, whatever, I will. I stood up, I think a Chris Tomlin song was going on or something, and I put my hand up and I surrendered right there. I literally worshiped for the first time in my life. I gave honor and glory to him and it was that, that was it. The heavens opened up, angels were singing and I was on my knees crawling to the altar, right? And, uh, you know, it wasn't shortly after that that my life started to change. I mean, it wasn't, you know, immediate and, you know, everything wasn't perfect, but I, uh, I met my wife, Devin, she went to the same church, actually. We seen each other at church, but she reached out to me on Facebook, actually. And uh, we met at church for our first date, uh, donuts and coffee at the little cafe. And she had this little crazy two-year-old boy running around. And uh, I fell in love with him just like I fell in love with her. And, uh, and that really leads to the purpose that I really wanted to speak of in my life. I think we all have many purposes. Uh, seeing as today's Father's Day, you know, a lot of us men are called to be fathers, you know. Uh, I know we can hear, you know, like Kel from the Lord. I've heard from the Lord, you know, serve me, right? And we can take that, that, that serving him 
and we can push aside what we think are lesser purposes like fatherhood or being a husband or just a good employee. So I think uh, even though we may have other purposes that God has called us to, uh, as fathers, we need to really look at that as a purpose too. That's something that God called us to. And in my situation, you know, I didn't know at the time, but uh, I can't have kids. So, uh, you know, what really comes out to me, like, you know, just be the father to the fatherless. You know, Dawson, he didn't have a father at the time. I didn't have a son. So uh, I adopted him. About a year later, me and Devin got married in 2009. In 2010, I think the law is you had to wait a year after marriage to be able to adopt. So uh, I adopted him. And uh, we started, you know, trying to grow our family. And after two, three years of that and having no luck, I went to the doctor and found out, well, sorry, buddy, but you can't have children. And so we moved up here and we really felt like the Lord was calling us to adopt. So we went the route. I say we moved up here. We moved from Florida to South Carolina, actually, in Aiken. And uh, we felt that the Lord was calling us to adopt. So we uh, did the whole adoption path there uh, through the state. We went through all the classes and all that. And we got on the waiting list. And a year goes by and nothing. We uh, didn't even get a call or anything at all. So after a year, you have to renew your license, I guess. So in that time, my wife got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And when, uh, when they came to renew our license and they found that out, they told us there's no reason to even renew it because the state won't give you a child. So, you know, we just thought, well, we thought the Lord was calling us to adopt, but maybe not. Maybe it was just us, right? Maybe we just wanted some more kids. So we just sort of forgot about the adoption thing. But then we started thinking, hey, you know, Abraham and Sarah, I, know I can't have kids, but God can do anything. So like the next eight years, about every month, you know, was let down. I mean, some seasons was worse than others, but, you know, we kept on believing that we were going to have kids, you know, more kids. And uh, then, long story short, my wife's cousin, uh, some of you may know my story. You might have seen the video some months back, but my wife's cousin got pregnant. She was very close to my wife, and um, she really brought her into the pregnancy. And then about 17 weeks in, is that the right? I can't remember. It was pretty good in ways. She had a diagnosis that the child would have Down syndrome. And she cut my wife off. And through pleading, my wife was pleading with her not to abort the child because when she cut her off, she knew what that meant. And then, uh, she even went as far as the, she called me one day crying at work, you know, would you adopt, you know, uh, this child? Mason was his name. I mean, she named him and everything. And I, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. And she let her know and it didn't matter. She ended up adop- uh, aborting. So, you know, my wife obviously was devastated and we just both started praying about it. And uh, we just felt that the Lord was, you know, calling us that maybe adoption was the right thing to do. And maybe we need to adopt special needs, specifically Down syndrome. You know, we were brought into that story and we really did some research online, finding out that uh, I think it's 85 to 90% of children with Down syndrome that's diagnosed before uh, birth is aborted. In some countries in Europe, it's 100%. It's, it's eradicated. So, uh, but there is many, you know, families that still, women, girls, whoever, that have a child with Down syndrome and they want to give it up for adoption. And we just figured, well, we could be that solution. So, uh, again, we just felt the Lord was putting it on our hearts and we just went for it. We put it in his hands. We didn't have the money to do it. Private adoption. You know, we're 45, 44 at the time. And you know, we're, we're getting older and now we're about to, you know, we're thinking about adopting and we get the same story from uh, the adoption agency that we were going through that at our age, it's a good chance we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to get chosen. But within a couple months, 
Lord, he said, it's time. I did call you to adopt. It just wasn't then, it's now. So uh, he brought Jack into our lives. And, uh, I know some of you know him and see him, but he's just a great blessing to us. And we're so very blessed. So uh, I think, you know, the purpose of being a father, that I knew I was called to that, but the way God worked it out, way different than a lot of fathers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you, Joe. <clears throat> All right. Good luck following that, Andrew. Um, we're going we're gonna to move on to uh, protection. Uh, Andrew's going to share a, a story of how God's manifest protection was evident in his life. Yeah. So when Pastor Reagan asked me to share something, um, it actually was interesting that uh, this, this story I'm going to share is actually uh, something that happened 12 years ago this week. Um, I, as he mentioned, uh, my family, we came from, uh, Colorado and used to be involved with, uh, YWAM or Youth at the Mission, as you've heard Pastor Reagan and Pastor Joy share about their experiences in YWAM. And, uh, my, my wife and I are worship leaders and involved in worship ministry there. And, um, there were two campuses, uh, in, in Denver, one closer to the city and then another one up in the mountains, uh, about 40 minutes into the Rocky Mountains, and it's a beautiful drive. And uh, there was a particular weekend where uh, the other worship leader and I uh, on staff were attending a men's retreat uh, and simultaneously uh, recording an album with some students. And so we had to drive up and down this mountain. And uh, it was something that we had done hundreds of times before, but um, in one of these drives down, uh, as we were rounding the final turn, it's a blind spot. All of a sudden we see coming towards us is a cement truck that was already tipping at a 45 degree angle. Uh, It was fully loaded. The driver was unfamiliar with that road. So he was driving too fast, turned too tight. And we were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it, it fell right on top of our little geo Metro there. And, uh, how many of you know in missions, uh, you, you drive the car you have, you know what I mean? <laughs> so um, what's crazy is uh, looking at this picture and like where the truck fell, um, it happened so quick. And, and as the driver, I, I was thinking, what could I have done different? I mean, we saw it and, and I, next thing I know, I was crawling out of the vehicle. And, you know, had I accelerated. I think we would have gotten crushed by the barrel of the truck. Had I braked, we would have got crushed by the cab. Had I turned left, we would have hit it straight on. And had I turned right, it would have knocked us off the side of the mountain. It was like the Lord was just protecting us in that moment. And uh, in spite of the accident, we had just minor scrapes and bruises. And it was a miracle that, you know, nothing beyond that happened. And what was significant about that story is uh, this took place on a Friday, and the following Monday, uh, a prophetic couple came to minister to our community, and the words that they shared and prophesied over myself and my wife, our, our son Levi, were some of the most life-changing words, and so many of them were just about our, our ministry of worship, and we felt it was significant that the two people in the car, myself and my friend Will, were the two worship leaders at our ministry. And it was like the enemy was trying to come against worship. And this couple came and said, I'm calling 
you in this place to return to the Levite priesthood and ministering to the heart of the Father and serving his people well. And ever since that accident, um, that's something that I've been mindful of, whether I'm, you know, on stage here playing with Josh or leading worship elsewhere. Um, you know, the, the word says that uh, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life abundant. So Amen. that's my testimony for today. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Andrew. Beautiful. So I want to uh, share about provision too, because uh, provision is a huge thing. You know, we one of the one of the uh, blessings of serving our heavenly Father is that He is our provider. Uh, that that there is nothing that is out of His reach. There's nothing that we have that's not that's good or perfect that's not from Him. He is the Father of heavenly light. So I uh, want to encourage you today with a couple stories of provision as well. And I'm going to have actually have Kel start uh, with. Um, how God provided for you in a challenging season. Yeah, so, so I'll fast forward. So um, last time we were here together, I was telling you how I got into the church and we I was serving. I wasn't married at the time, no kids, simpler times in life, right? Mm -hmm. But boring. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not, not nearly as exciting. Right, Cece? Yeah, very boring. No purpose. Right, no purpose at all. <laughs> so... Fast forward probably about nine years, the year is 2019. I am happily married. Um, I have two kids and one on the way. I had to figure out how these things kept coming, how these babies kept coming, right? So I think I've got that down. And so um, in a pretty good season in my life, um, here in Augusta, serving at the church, and we're, we're, in, a two, we're in a tiny two-bedroom apartment because I really hadn't established the roots here because I thought I was going to get that bigger market, but it never came. And so um, a couple in my life, we'll just call them to keep them anonymous, R&J Summers. <laughs> and my wife, they, they kept saying, hey, you need to get a house. You need to go ahead and get a house. You need to get a house. You need to get a house. So we went out. We were looking for homes. And it was perfect timing because my wife's a veteran. And this couple, they're veterans too. So they wanted us to assume their mortgage right at what they were paying because they had to ship out and we were going to take it over. And so we got under contract. Everything was really, really good to go. We were looking at, you know, the changes we're going to do. My wife was like, oh, this is how I'll decorate. And then that Fortune 100 company called me up probably a week later and said, we no longer need your services. And I was laid off. And so we were devastated. We were like, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And then going into that next year, January 2020, we had our child and I'm still out of work at that time. And so I'm like, all right, God, <laughs> what are you going to do in this season? How are you going to move? And we're created in God's image. So as a man, you men know, like we're providers. We're supposed to provide for our families. And my wife's looking to me to be a provider as well, too. And being in God's image, she's like, well, you better go out and look for six days and you rest on the seventh. And on that seventh, you better be putting our resumes because we got to figure this <laughs> thing out. <laughs> and so if you guys remember, if you haven't completely wiped out 2020 in your, in your mind, in March of 2020, we have a global pandemic. And so nobody's accepted anybody new, right? Everybody's scared, you know, everybody's standing outside the line of grocery lines. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen. And so through this time, there's a beautiful, beautiful testimony that I won't have time to share, but I'll share this part. So like even there, like we moved back home, my father-in-law had just retired. So we were able to get his house. We had to move from Augusta. Um, so we actually went to a smaller market because we went back to Warner Robins, Georgia. Um, I got a chance to spend the last dying days with my grandmother, got connected with family. 
But before we moved and, and, and all the provision that God showed, we were in a situation where finances were low, um, savings were low, um, and, we, and God put on our heart to like bless our apartment complex. It was like four units. And during that time, nobody, you know, you had all the masks and just it was dreadful, dreadful days. Everybody remembers that. And so there was a casserole shop and we would go and purchase, purchase casseroles and we would bless the people. Like one guy was an atheist and we got to connect with him. There was a traveling nurse and her family. And it was a really, really beautiful time. Even though we didn't have, you know, the means God was able to provide and we were able to really, really bless those individuals. And so we were getting ready to move. We had to get the moving truck. And one of um, the, the, the young kids and youth that I mentored at the time, he was going on a, a pretty, pretty cool ministry experience. And God put on my heart like, hey, I want you to bless him with a substantial, you know, money. And I'm like, well, God, I don't know if you were in our last finance meeting with me and my wife, but we don't, we don't have it. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that's in the budget. And he just kept putting it on our hearts. And we were like, okay, we need to do this, right? We need to be obedient to the spirit. And we went ahead and we went ahead and did it. I don't remember the time frame, but it had to be like maybe one or two days later, the traveling nurse we had, I had told you guys about, she came and knocked on our door. And she was talking to my wife and she wanted to pray over us because she knew a little bit about our situation. And she handed her an envelope. And so she didn't look at it at the time. She came back in and she was talking to me like, yeah, she just prayed with me. And, and it happened to be the exact amount we had blessed him with wow. in that envelope. So God's provision, it's, it's good. Praise God. It's really good. Yeah. Thank you, Kill. <laughs> Joe has a, a similar story of God's provision. So share that with yeah. us. So uh, moving forward, we adopted Jack, and about six months later, so that would have been in 2021. I'm horrible with math. Sorry, everybody. Anyway, uh, we adopted Jack in August, and six months later, we decided we're going to go down to Florida, and uh, I guess this part of the story is really, you know, just to see how God is working all things together, right? And uh, sometimes it's hard to see that when you're in it. But, you know, looking back, right, hindsight is twenty twenty. It's always, it's easy to really see uh, where God's hand is, right? I mean, and I can see that my whole life, but just here in this immediate situation, it really just all fell into place, right? So um, we go down to Florida to see my family. I had some family down there, and uh, I made a, a point to go see my father. Um, it was the last day that we were down there. Uh, I called him, and we went, and we saw him. Uh, our relationship's been a little strained, or was a little strained for about, you know, five, ten years before that. It was really bad. It got a little bit better, but there was still just a separation uh, there. But when we went and we saw him uh, so he could meet Jack and see Dawson, he hadn't seen him for a while. Uh, I mean, everything was great. I mean, it was, it was just, it, it was a beautiful time. Uh, my father did not at all believe in the Lord. He was very anti-God. Anytime I talk about it, that, that would just end our conversation. He'd be like, all right, it's time to go, you know, but uh, this time he's, he's telling me, he's talking to me about Jesus. He's listening to mercy me. And I mean, just crazy. I mean, absolutely crazy. And he's pouring out love on my two sons, on Dawson, on Jack. And I mean, it was just a great time. And, you know, I was, I felt really blessed and really uplifted. And when we left, you know, I remember telling my wife, you know, that, you know, he's going to be a really good grand grandfather. Like I just could not wait to really start connecting again. And, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he's in Florida, we're up here, but that's fine. I'll be calling him every week. We're going to be planning trips. I'm going to take Dawson down there. He's going to be, you know, the dad I remembered when I was growing up. I mean, my mom and dad were divorced, but, you know, every other weekend, once a month, we do our little, you know, dad-son thing. And, you know, I just couldn't wait for that. For He was such a good dad for me, and I knew he was going to be a good grandfather. So um, 
but God, you know, he's working things out and he knew things that were going to come. So two weeks later, I get a call from my brother and my dad passes away. It was a crazy situation. It was a crazy way that it happened. We don't have to get into that, but, uh, you know, that was hard. It was real hard. But again, all I could do is just pour out my blessings to the Lord and how good he is that he allowed us to have that time that he allowed me to see, because if we wouldn't went down there, I'd, as far as I'd know, he was, he didn't know the Lord. And then now he shows me that he does. He knows the Lord. He's in heaven and he, he got a chance to meet Jack and to just, it was just a good time. So, I mean, that was a blessing there. And then a few months later by August, I get laid off now because when my dad died, there was a blessing, I guess, in disguise. Uh, he wasn't a rich man and wasn't very good with, with his money, but he did have insurance. So because of that, uh, he left me a little bit of money. And when the layoff came in August, uh, originally I'm a pipe fitter by trade. And, you know, it's typical that layoffs come. You know, we work ourselves out of a job. Uh, and I was working at Vogel. I knew a layoff was coming. Uh, that's actually how I got up here was on the road, just traveling. That's what you do. You know, as soon as one big job's done, you go to the next, wherever that may be, whether that's, you know, Arizona or Pennsylvania or Ohio, wherever. So, uh, but me and the wife both felt strongly that this was not the time in our lives for me to be on the road again. Uh, so luckily again, the Lord's working it out. You know, there was a little bit of money set aside. So we were able to sit back and, uh, I mean, I did get a little bit of work here. I helped in the atrium, a little bit of side work, you know, and that was a good, a good time actually, you know, but, uh, for the most part, it was that money that my dad had left. So long story short, we were getting up to Christmas time and, you know, Christmas, you'd like to not, you know, we're not going to spend this and we're not going to give gifts to certain people, but you end up doing it anyway, right? It's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, next thing you know, you know, our bank account is dwindling and I still haven't, I've been throwing resumes out to SRS and I haven't got no hits, no nothing, heard nothing, crickets. So I tell my wife uh, at the end of Christmas, I said, you know, my birthday's coming up in January, January 14th. I said, you know, if I still hear nothing by my birthday, the way the bank account's starting to look, I need to start reaching out and going on the road, you know, call the hall, call my friends and see where the next job's at. And she said, yep, that, I agree. Well, January 12th, I get a phone call from SRS and uh, wanted an interview. Okay, Lord. <laughs> okay. So I go have an interview and I, I thought it went pretty well and it did go well because I got hired. So, I mean, it was a seven months till I actually went to work and, you know, it was a rough seven months worrying about where that money's going to come. And it, he brought us right to the last, right to the end there. But we just trusted in him. And, you know, I had friends tell me, you know, I can't believe you're not freaking out. And, you know, maybe I was freaking out a little bit inside. But you know what? I just trusted in him. I knew he was going to work it out. So, uh, and he did. He showed me right there that, you know, hey, you can lean on me and I will work it out. So. Amen. Thank you, Joe. Great story. All right, so uh, as, to, as a, a way of kind of finishing up our time this morning, we're gonna, a couple of them are going to share uh, just how the Lord had answered prayers that they'd been uh, praying for a while and seen God show up in a specific situation. I think it'll encourage you. So, Jesus, uh, why don't you share how, uh, how the Lord answered yours? Sure. Um, there's many uh, stories I can tell, but I'm going to speak about special and, and recent one. Um, things are, both of our daughters were born um, one of my and my wife constant prayer, and of course many of you parents do, is pray for, ask the Lord for their, your, uh, our daughter uh, 
guard, to guard them and to protect them um, and for them to open their heart to Jesus and to have a relationship with him. Uh, many of you may remember um, just a few Sundays ago, our youth pastor, uh, Jessica Ziegler, um, was preaching. And um, to our surprise, as, and as a part of the service, uh, my wife and I received an answer to our prayer. Our youngest daughter, Nicole, shared a video screen of how um, she um, tur um, turned to God um, in a way of uh, looking for, you know, getting into the Word and how uh, reading her Bible um, became from something being difficult at the beginning, but then um, um, captivating later. And she shared how um, digging into the Word helped her to manage and um, um, deal with difficulties she was facing. Um, me and my wife, we were um, amazed and blessed to hear how the Lord was moving into the life of our daughter. Mm -hmm. And uh, for us, that was a beautiful, beautiful um, prayer answer. Yeah, and, and you know, as a parent, that's one of your biggest prayers, of course, especially if you're a, a Christian and you have children, you want them to love God and to love the Word. And uh, it was a, few, a little while back, we gave Bibles to pretty much everybody in the youth group. And the stories we've been hearing have been absolutely incredible of kids that have never read their Bibles and now they're reading them and they're asking Jessica and other leaders, you know, all the time, like, what does this mean? What should I read? And uh, we're seeing, we're hearing so many incredible testimonies that we've been excited to, to share even among our staff. And, uh, and Nicole's is definitely one of the best ones that we've heard, just how she's excited about the word. And, and, uh, and I know that's an answer to yours and uh, Yomela's prayer. So praise Amen. God. Thank the Lord. Praise God. <clears throat> okay, and last but not least, uh, Andrew, share a story of an answered prayer for you. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the church, but uh, throughout each of the places that uh, I lived, uh, I never was encouraged to really understand what the Bible says. And I just love the way that this church has really encouraged youth especially to really know the word. Um, when when. Pastor Reagan asked me to share about this in particular. I, I was thinking back in how most of my life, uh, prayer wasn't really something that was a strong part of my spiritual walk. I just kind of had an understanding that God is going to do whatever he wants to do. And so why waste my time praying for anything? <laughs> and he's done a work in, in helping me understand what he thinks about prayer and what Jesus says about prayer. And um, but uh, it was something that was a, a struggle for me for years. And you can imagine being in a community of, of faith, especially a missions training center. A lot of exciting things are happening all of the time, and uh, people are praying, believing in miracles. And um, this became very real for me and my family when, uh, actually before Rachel and I were married, um, we were on a trip and she had a horseback riding accident where she uh, fractured her skull in 23 places, 24 places. And uh, it, it could have been so much worse than it ended up being, as you can imagine. I mean, she one moment was on a horse and the next moment was in a hospital bed and didn't remember what happened. And uh, um, miraculously, she, she had an incredible recovery. I mean, you know, we're so grateful that the Lord preserved her life. Um, but uh, one of the lasting uh, side effects from her accident was that her, her 
something was damaged in her brain to be able to detect smell. And uh, for a long time, I counted that as a blessing <laughs> um, <laughs> for a number of reasons. But, <laughs> but it was something that she really, you know, was, again, grateful to be alive. But, um, you know, as, as a, a young woman and we got married and, and her, you know, planning to be a mother, one thing that she was really uh, excited for was to be able to uh, smell her newborn uh, and enjoy that newborn smell. Now, I don't understand that newborn smell a certain way to me, but it was just something that was on her heart that she was kind of grieving that she would never be able to do that. And uh, in, in our community, people would pray every day uh, for her to be healed. And it became annoying, as you might imagine. And I watched this all happen and silently just wanting to see that for her, but also questioning whether or not that's what God wanted to do in her life. And uh, we were in a worship time one day after, you know, years of her not being able to smell. And um, during this time, someone had come and they were ministering to the community and just uh, praying for a release of faith in the room. And I just uncharacteristically had this tremendous faith in that moment that God wanted to heal her. And, uh, and, and I, I ran and grabbed her and said, I think God wants to heal you today. And she's like, not you too. <laughs> like you. And, uh, and, and I quickly looked for something that would, you know, be evidence of, of the miracle. And I, I, I found a bowl of fruit and, uh, I grabbed an orange, ran it over <laughs> and, uh, peeled it under her nose and immediately, she could smell the orange. We both just burst into tears. And um, yeah, it, it's one of my favorite testimonies of, of God's goodness because it wasn't some dramatic healing. You know, he had already done such a miracle in her life in preserving her from that accident. But something so small but meant so much to her, it was, it was like the Lord just saying, I love you and I want to do this for you. And uh, it's just ever since reminded me of God's goodness and faithfulness, even in the little things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Andrew. Man. God is faithful. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? I'd like to pray for us as we, uh, as we close out this, this time together. Um, I, I, hope, I pray that your faith was stirred today, that you're, that you're encouraged. God is still the same God he's always been. He's the same God we read about in this Bible. That's why it's so important we read this, so we can know who he is. We can know what he does. We can know how he works. He does miracles. He's active in our lives. He heals. He restores. He provides. He protects. He gives us purpose. He answers our prayers. So I pray that you are uh, encouraged today. Just uh, Let's just pray together. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time together today, Lord. And God, I pray that the testimonies given today, Lord, that it would, uh, that it would sow seed in our lives to encourage us. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room, everyone listening online, everyone that maybe feels hopeless, feels discouraged, despondent, distraught, wondering, God, are you there? Are you hearing me? Feeling like their prayers are hitting the ceiling. God, would you remind us today that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Nothing can separate us from your love. You are awesome in all of your ways. You are mighty to save. So God, we thank you for that today. Thank you for what you're doing 
in the lives of our people, Lord. And I pray where, for those of us that need that hope, Lord, that you would rekindle that hope in our hearts today. That we'd be able to stand in faith knowing that you are who you say you are and that you are worthy of our trust. And as we sang today, that you are worthy of it all. We bless you today, God. We love you. And it's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you.